Welcome to the Sourcing Hero podcast produced by Una, a group purchasing organization that empowers sourcing heroes and Art of Procurement, the world's largest procurement podcast network. I'm your host, Kelly Barner. The goal of the Sourcing Hero podcast is to capture the epic stories of people who are rising up and beating the odds to create exceptional value within procurement directly from those heroes themselves. Today, my guest here on the Sourcing Hero podcast is Jonathan O'Brien. Jonathan is the CEO and a founding member of Positive Purchasing. He has over 30 years' experience of working with household name companies around the world to help transform procurement and negotiation capabilities, and he has written more books than I can count. So, hi, Jonathan. Thank you so much for being with me. Thank you, Kelly. It's a delight to join you today on the Sourcing Hero podcast. Now, I shared a very, very high-level overview of you in my intro, uh, but would you mind sharing a little bit more about your professional experience to this point? Yeah, and that sounded really grand, actually. When you said that, I thought, <laughs> who is that person? Everything sounds perfect from high level, right? <laughs> yeah, um, absolutely. So thank you for such a build-up on that. Um, hard to know what else I can tell you. So I never intended to be in procurement. I, I am an electronics engineer. That's the career I thought I was going to do. I also used to be a radio broadcaster, which was a lot of fun. I thought that would be the thing to do, and then I realized... There's no money in it. And um, so I kind of ended up in procurement. And I started my career actually doing quality auditing, being uh, in quality assurance, which I learned so much about. And uh, in those sort of young days, I got to audit probably thousands of factories. And at the time, it was just a lot of fun because I was learning a lot about uh, companies and how they worked. It's, it's only now I look back and I realize how much I learned about organizations and behavior in organizations and just how things come together to make stuff. And, and we're going to talk about sustainability later, I know. But, but just that understanding of the, the processes involved have really helped my career. Um, and I've sort of ended up in procurement and found myself drawing on all of that kind of uh, those those early parts of my career. You know, and to be fair, at the end of the day, it really does all boil down to our ability to understand how to bring things together and make stuff. I mean, it it doesn't have to be any more complicated than that, but that's a deceptively hard thing to do efficiently, effectively at scale, right? So the the bigger you try to build that out, that's, I guess, where maybe some of your quality background comes into play. I think so. And, and, and I think it comes into play when I work with organizations to help develop people. Because one of the things I see is that people come, if people come from that procurement route and learn about procurement, often the kind of connection with how stuff is made, how stuff comes together, how different organizations bring it together may not be apparent. And um, I, I think some of the best procurement people are not procurement people. They're the people that have come, they've been engineers, they've been marketing specialists, they've worked uh, in uh, R&D, and they know how other stuff works. And then they learn about what procurement is. And, I, and when I talk about procurement, I mean, strategic procurement, uh, mm. being able to connect what is possible in the supply base with what the organization is trying to achieve and make stuff happen. I'm not talking about how we buy things well. Of course, that's part of it. I'm talking about how we actually make a difference to the organization. 
and of course, make a difference in the larger world. As you teased, the the primary focus of our time together is going to be talking about sustainability, but positioning that in a very real world context. Um, and so maybe the place to start is by having you talk a little bit about how you see the current state of most corporate sustainability programs. Yeah. And that is such a big, big question because everybody is running at a hundred miles an hour to saying, Hey, we've got to do sustainability. Why have we got to do it? Well, uh, cause we've got to do it because there's because, legislation. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, so this is happening. So it's such an exciting a time to be part of an organization that is doing that or has to do it. It's even more exciting to be in procurement. So what we're seeing is um, this kind of, we're seeing a number of things. We're seeing this kind of groundswell of social value, social opinion that's saying we've got to do something. And, you know, it's been bumbling away there for the last 20 years. You know, it's perhaps a little known fact that I went into to what I do now. I set the business up that I run and I've run for the last 20 years to do sustainable procurement. But 20 years ago, nobody was interested. Everybody said, can you come and help us save some money? Can you come and help us negotiate with suppliers? So I kind of put it on the shelf. Um, and it's really only five years ago that I kind of dusted it off again and said, we've got to do this. And companies were now starting to ask for it. So we're seeing this change where people, where all of us are recognizing, actually, we're at this tipping point. We've got to do something differently. Um, the big headline is, of course, climate change. But actually, when you get into sustainability, it's much more than that. We need to tackle climate change. We need to tackle biodiversity, loss of biodiversity. We need to tackle uh, ocean acidification. We need to tackle human rights and how human rights is being eroded around the world um, and some of the consequences of that if we don't tackle those things. So it becomes this enormous thing that um, we we need to somehow do something about. And there is this this groundswell of social opinion that that is saying we expect more. And social opinion drives legislation. So we're seeing legislation finally emerging. Arguably, it's very late. We've got all, a whole raft of uh, new legislation that's coming out in Europe that compels companies to be responsible for everything that happens in their supply chains. I mean, just think about that for just a moment the company having to be completely responsible for everything that happens in their supply chains. Now, to start with, it applies to certain companies of a certain size. But, you know, that is the start. In the US, we're seeing a raft of emerging legislation that's beginning to tackle dimensions of that. So we're seeing these things that will appear. So that will drive very specific action, especially around emissions, especially around being accountable for what happens. So we've got this kind of groundswell of social expectation, we have legislation, and then we've got companies saying, okay, what do we do? Our consumers are suddenly expecting more. Our shareholders are saying they want us to be a good company. Um, we've got legislation that we've got to meet. How do we do that stuff? So rightly, organizations are setting goals. Um, most organizations are doing things like, let's be net zero by 2030. Um, let's set some ambitions up to, to tackle the things we know about. And when those goals are focused on the organization itself, you can see the problem, you can see the gap, you can see the action to address it. The challenge comes when you look at what the organization has to do in the supply chain, because organizations don't know how to do that. 
And typically, 50 to 70% of change that needs to happen within an organization to uh, achieve some sort of sustainability has to happen in the supply chain. So we've got this huge, huge task of if, if an organization wants to be sustainable, it has to figure out how to do that in the supply chain. And um, people don't know how to do that. Procurement doesn't know how to do that. Procurement functions lack the skills and the capability to do that today. So to answer the question in a very convoluted way, what are organizations doing? Well, they're rushing off in all sorts of different directions saying, do we tackle emissions? Do we tackle biodiversity? Do we bring in a group of people and have a chief sustainable sustainability officer? What do we do? So we're seeing all these things appear and what's currently missing is how you join that up to have a cohesive integrated approach across an organization that allows an organization to say, this is where we're going to be in terms of sustainability. And these are all the things that we're going to do to make it happen, including what we do in the supply chain. And you and I have been around in procurement long enough to have seen different things sort of go around this cycle a couple of times. You know, I, I would like to think, I'll be a little optimistic here, that procurement is doing a better job of being collaborative with suppliers and stakeholders. So you no longer uh, hear the level of discussion around governance and compliance that you once did, at least not internally. We're still measuring those things, but it's more around customer experience and removing friction and increasing transparency. And I wonder, especially since you mentioned regulation, if we aren't sort of in the position we're about to start that over. You know, when these rules roll out, I think companies in general, and then it plugs into a tendency that procurement has, we say, okay, new rules. We're going to establish these new rules. We're going to make sure people are compliant with the new rules, as opposed to learning from the cycles that we've went through, gone through in the past. And I'm wondering if you think that given its very human, very environmental orientation, if there's an opportunity within supply chain sustainability to not spend so long in the enforcement phase, but instead to very quickly get to the point where we're on a collaborative journey with different types of stakeholders moving towards agreed upon goals, but we're doing it together as opposed to with right and wrong and rules and punishments and, and compliance and all that. Have we evolved enough to learn from our past lessons to apply that here, do you think? Wow, that, that is a, that's a great question. I love the phrase new rules because I think that kind of sums up everything that we need to be thinking about here. Have we evolved to do it? Um, I'm not sure I see pockets of that because I think, I think we have to a- approach this with a completely new approach because even without thinking about sustainability, procurement cannot be strategic if it does not look and work and exist outside of its function. It has to work cross-functionally. Suppliers don't belong to procurement, they belong to the organization. What we buy belongs to the organization. Procurement are the enablers of success, but that only happens with collaboration. So all the work I've been doing with companies over the last 20 years to to drive in category management, to drive in supplier relationship management, um, you know, those things can be driven in really well and make a difference, or you can not drive them in at all well and think you're doing it well, but not, you know, both of those scenarios exist. The companies that do it well 
are the ones where procurement works together with the wider organization. Now, we're kind of going against the tide a bit there because organizations are designed as top-down silos because that's how that's how organizations have existed since the, the year dot. It's how we measure success. It's how financial reporting works. Everything that has grown up with organizations kind of works against collaboration. So you have to create those conditions where people can literally come together and work, but they're doing it. So I think that I've seen with the companies that have been successful, it's the ones that have done that that have been successful. Sustainability takes this to another level because if, if you think about how do you become more sustainable, that isn't just a question of buying a bit better. It's not just a question of finding out what your suppliers are doing and, and whether they're getting emissions under control. Actually, you've got to look at what are the things that we're buying, how, where does it come from, what happens in all of those supply chains to get it here, and what happens after us. But you've also got to think about how is it designed? Has it been designed with materials that um, uh, that help us be sustainable? Has it been designed in a way so that when the end customer uses it, that they're not contributing to the problem because they're creating more emissions or it's not recyclable or it goes becomes obsolescent too quickly? So we get into this, this territory where we're actually helping the organization redesign what it does based on what the supply base can help us do. I mean, just think about the power of that because suddenly procurement's saying, actually, let's let's redesign this thing. It's not sustainable. Let's change the materials. Let's change where, where we source this stuff from because if we're going to make the thing we make sustainable, we've got to change it. And that turns everything on its head. It means procurement's role is super critical here, but more than anything, it means somehow we've all got to collaborate and work together. So new rules absolutely kind of forget everything that you know about how procurement has worked in the past and figure out how can we work together to change what we do bringing our supply chain expertise into this now i certainly agree with you that procurement looks super critical when you start to think about the different approaches and the different thought processes that have to be present to make measurable gains against a, a sustainability goal I wonder if some of the companies that are struggling to get a foothold and to make the kind of progress they want to make should stop and take a look at the amount of influence they allow their procurement team to have. I mean, could it be that in some companies, procurement has been contained to a relatively limited or, or transactional role, and the company that's making good faith efforts to move towards their sustainability commitments isn't able to do it because they're not fully leveraging the capabilities of procurement. Is, is that a situation that some companies may find themselves in? Yeah, absolutely. So if, if the organization is still being very reactive in terms of its procurement, then um, it's not really going to make much progress in terms of driving sustainability. And it's incredible how many companies still don't do procurement well at a strategic level. Big brand name companies that you would expect to have nailed this. When you look at them, they say, hey, we're doing category management. And you look at it and you think, well, you're not actually. What you're doing <laughs> is you're contracting and tendering yeah. um, and you're calling it category management, but you're not doing category management. You're actually just contracting and tendering. You're reacting to what the organization says it needs and wants. If that's all it is, 
then that procurement function lacks the capability to be able to to transition to to the next level. So I think that kind of where organizations find themselves still doing that sort of fairly reactive, fairly tactical procurement, even if they think they're not, then they certainly don't have the capability to be able to transition into to, to doing strategic procurement. Because key to this is the organization recognizing procurement as a strategic voice, as a strategic contributor, and procurement having the ability to influence and change. And of course, in the executive room, because there needs to be a CPO that's doing that. But throughout the organization, the, the procurement has a strength and it has a value, has a gravitas, and it's respected. It's invited and sits at the table where some of those decisions are made. If that's not happening, then you know we're not going to get our first base here. You have to create those conditions where procurement has established itself as a value add. And that starts with the people. It starts with their capability. It starts with the governance that the company has put in place. Um, and I've been working with companies for many years to do this. It's the hardest thing. You know, we can train people. That's straightforward. We can give people tools. That's straightforward. Getting the organization to do this top down and to drive it and really make it happen. The hardest thing in the world but it has to exist. You have to get the leadership right. You have to get the governance right to be able to begin to have a clear route forward for sustainability. Now, to your point about leadership and governance, we're certainly seeing the trend in the US, I'll even say North America, of companies putting in ESG programs, so environmental, social, and governance programs that may have a C-level leader or someone at the VP level. And underneath that, you have a whole host of things, but very broad brush, sustainability reports up, things like supplier diversity report up. And then, of course, governance is, is really the accountability piece to ensure that the right things are being done. Most of my experience under that ESG umbrella is in the area of supplier diversity. And while I certainly hold out hope that this high-level visibility will improve resourcing, improve commitments, that sort of thing. I do worry at times about diversity becoming just one factor that gets lost under a very large tent. Do you share that concern on the sustainability side, or maybe Europe is a little further ahead on sustainability than the U.S. is on uh, on um, on diversity? How do you feel like all of these shifting organizational dynamics play in? Yeah, and that that's interesting in terms of what is what are the 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 priorities that that might exist here. And I think just to sort of go back to the phrase ESG, and um, that's a particular phrase to describe sustainability or corporate responsibility. ESG is particularly um, biased or, or kind of comes from the the, the world of, of finance and being able to yes. um, uh, have investments where there is a, a measure of the sustainability within that. And by its very nature, that whole kind of industry of ESG measures and ratings and uh, governance is geared up for the investment community. Now, with that comes a certain bias in terms of what investors have been looking for. And also recently, that I've, I've read a lot of articles recently that, that suggest that um, there's still quite a large degree of, of greenwash in there to uh, to be able to convince investors to um, invest in, in in funds which are now outperforming traditional funds, um, but it's more it, it's more kind of 
run away with itself in terms of creating um, measures that are specifically aligned to driving certain types of investment, but not necessarily working towards all of the aspects of sustainability that will make a difference to the company or indeed the world at large. So I think there's a difference there. And if we then sort of look a bit wider than traditional ESG and look at the entire kind of uh, aspect of sustainability, you know, there's a huge number of impacts that we can think about. Diversity is one very important impact. Is that more important than climate change? Is that more important than loss of biodiversity? I wouldn't want to even begin to put a hierarchy to these things because I was thinking to myself, of, Jonathan, please don't answer I that question. <laughs> yeah. All of these things are critical yeah. to the future's survival. Um, and um, if we, if you prioritize the planet, then um, you know there are there is some stuff that I've. I've read in recent years by um, a guy called Tim Ord, who puts the chances of humanity wiping itself out in the next hundred years at one in six. You know, we kind of really are at that tipping point. Dave, so, so David Attenborough here in the UK has said very similar things. We're at that tipping point. What we do in the next 10 years is crucial. But then you look at the people side and um, we look at diversity I would like to bring into that human rights in general. So diversity, child labor, forced labor, poor working conditions, um, and, um, and, and other things beside. All of those things are critical as well. And this is where people often disconnect this, because if you cannot have an environment where people are able to work together and cooperate in a way that is sustainable, then it has the same long-term impact as some of the planetary stuff. So diversity is absolutely right there um, as one of the key elements of sustainability. The challenge we've got is we're at this point where we've got to do all of these things. And, and I think the, the biggest challenge organizations have is figuring out how do you, how do, you do all of those things, but also not kind of get stuck trying to do everything all at once. And, and I think that's about establishing policies around uh, um, diversity and being clear about that, having clear policies on human rights, clear policies on what you're tackling in terms of climate change, ocean degradation, loss of biodiversity, um, and also resource depletion and waste. All of those things we have to look at together uh, in, a, in a parallel way that we can deal with sustainability. So we do have some enormous challenges before us, and it makes me think we need a hero. And that perhaps is the best transition for me to ask you, Jonathan, this is tradition on the Sourcing Hero podcast. You get a choice between two mm -hmm. questions, and everyone that joins me goes through this process. So your first option is, what does the idea of a sourcing hero mean to you? And if you want to take a slightly broader approach, your second choice is, what do you think heroism looks like in a business context? This final question is up to you to choose. Okay. Um, so I'm going to kind of answer both of them in the same way, if, if, if I may, because I think, I think heroism and uh, what a sourcing hero looks like is somebody who is ready and able to swim against the tide here. Because everything that we need to do here is is kind of new. The new rules, you said, it's 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 that thing. It's being able to say, 
um, actually, this isn't traditional procurement and, and that kind of you know old stuff we did. This is about saying we can help transform the organization to be more sustainable because we know about what happens in the supply chain and how suppliers are, are, are working and what they could do and what their potential is. We know about that. So listen, because we can help drive change. And that means we've got to swim against the tide. It means we're going to get resistance because we're going to be standing up and challenging our internal functions because um, suddenly we've got some some new ideas there. Um, and it means we're going to need to be strong enough to be able to do that and compel people to listen and work with us. Now, the, many of the traditional procurement kind of approaches don't take us there, which means we need a hero. It means we need people with that level of heroism who are prepared to say, actually, I'm going to just stand up for this and say, let's do this differently. And what does heroism look like? It looks like those strong people that can lead and convince others that actually it's time for procurement to really help drive sustainable procurement forward. I agree with you. And and now is truly the moment. I mean, for anyone that's worked in procurement or supply chain or sourcing for a long time and has sort of felt, we don't get our due, we don't get opportunities, this, this is the moment for us to step up and show what we're capable of doing. I think there's a ton of inspiration and direction in, in what you've shared today. And so if people are listening in, haven't met you, maybe haven't read all 84 million of your books <laughs> just yet, what would be the best way for them to get in touch with you and learn more? Okay, thank you. So positivepurchasing.com is the, the main website. And if you're interested in negotiation, it's redsheetnegotiation.com. You can connect with me on LinkedIn under Jonathan O'Brien, or if you search Jonathan O'Brien um, and Kogan Page, you can see the four titles that I've written, Category Management, <laughs> Supplier Relationship Management, Negotiation for Procurement and Supply Chain Professionals, and Buyer's Toolkit. And there's a new book coming out uh, early 2023, which is called Sustainable Procurement, which I am so excited about because it's a book that I've been trying to write for 20 years, and now I've finally done it, and, and that will be out very soon as well. And uh, unfortunately, not quite in time for Christmas, but, you know, Easter maybe. <laughs> well, congratulations, Jonathan. It's, it's no small feat getting out a new book. Thank you for sharing all of those details, and thank you for joining me today here on the Sourcing Hero Podcast. It's a pleasure. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to this episode of the Sourcing Hero Podcast. Join us again next time for more true stories of sourcing and business heroism performed by your colleagues and peers. Look for The Sourcing Hero wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to subscribe. Finally, don't forget, sourcing heroism is taking place all around us every day. Keep your eyes open and you're bound to see it. Until next time, I'm your host, Kelly Barner. Stay well and always remember that you can be a hero too.